I didn't purposely plan this out, um, but I think the two things we're going to talk about God today fit really well in with Thanksgiving. And so as I've done the last few weeks, I want to begin by reading a psalm. I want to read Psalm, about half of Psalm 107. And you'll see why as I begin to read it. So Psalm 107 is fitting for this week for several reasons. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who has been redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands and from the east and from the west and the north and from the south? Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way in the city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainteth within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached in a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadows of death, prisoners in affliction and irons, for they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them in their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. This chapter continues and ends with this verse. It says, Whoever is wise, let him attest, att- I'm sorry, attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And as we consider this week a time that we set aside to be thankful, one of, in our country, the few remaining holidays that maybe is less contentious than some of the others, but is no less an important attribute to think about on how we thank God for what He has given us over the course of a year. And it's right and good to stop and consider the last year and the ways that He has blessed us and the ways that He has carried us through in so many ways. And so to think about some of the things that God is today, I want to talk about how God is good. God is good. Mark 10 and 19 says the following, And Jesus said to them, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And in that powerful verse, we see several very important things for us to remember that there is no one who is good other than God alone. Oh, we can act quote unquote good. We can feel like sometimes we are good. We can look at other people who do good things, but there is no one who is good except for God and God alone. And the second important thing that we get from this, and trust me, the crowd who was there that day knew what Jesus was saying. 
When he was saying, why are you calling me good? No one is good except for God alone. He wasn't saying that he wasn't good. He was in fact claiming to be the good as in God. Because he is reminding them when they called him a good teacher, if you're going to call me good, then you must recognize that I am God. I am good. So this is a powerful statement for us to consider Jesus said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good except God above. And so when we think about goodness, when we think about what is good, we can and ought to only think of God. God the Father, in this case God the Son, and also God the Holy Spirit. In all three forms, at all times, God is good. Nahum 1 and 7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. So what does it mean to be good? When we say that God is good, what exactly does that mean? It means that He's kind. It means that He's sincere. It means that He is affectionate toward us. He likes to be with us. He's benevolent. He's open to us. And that when we think about Him and when He thinks about us, He is tenderhearted and friendly to us. I see, being good is actually different than being righteous, than being set apart. Now, we must be very careful, and I've said this for weeks now, to understand that God is all of these things at all times and in all ways. There are not parts of God. There are not sections of God. These are not His attributes or traits like I have attributes and traits that come and go, and some days I'm good and some days I'm not, and some days I'm happy and some days I'm not. Some days I'm kind, some days I'm not as kind. But these are a part of what God is, and so God is good. So he cannot be, I guess we can't say gooder at certain times. He cannot be better at certain times and worse at others. He simply is good all the time. And there is no changing. There is no up and down. And so God can be righteous and holy. That is separated apart from all of us because he is so perfect. But that is different than being good. And as I said, because God is, the word we learned, immutable, never changes, never differs from himself. He is good at all times and in all ways. Sometimes we don't like that. The Bible tells us in Acts 10 that he is no respecter of persons. That means no matter how good you think you are, he doesn't see you differently than someone else. It also means, as it says in Matthew 5 and 45, that he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. I bet there's been times in your life that maybe you wished his rain wouldn't be sent on the unjust. Maybe you would just wish a little bit, if we're honest with ourselves, we wish he wouldn't be quite so good to those who are evil. But let us not remember, let us not forget, rather, that God's goodness is without merit. In other words, he is good to everyone, and nothing that I have done earns his goodness. 
And so if I ever get to the point that I kind of wish God wouldn't be quite so good to someone else, let me remember myself and us to remember this week that if God is good to us, and he is, it is not because of anything that I have done or because I have earned or because I have merited in any way. It is simply because he is good that he blesses us. So here's an interesting question. We've asked this before. Why did God create us? And why does he care about us? Well, part of that answer is because he's good. Why did God redeem us? Why did he send his son to die and to take my place to suffer my punishment? Why would he send his son to die for someone like myself and like you who is not good? Because he is good. And when we really step back and think about just how good God is to us, even when we don't deserve it, it really changes our mind and our place and how we think about God, which is the entire point. You cannot escape how good God is through all of the scriptures because none of this has to happen this way. But he's good and he cares about us. As I mentioned, none of this is because we earned anything. There is no merit that we have in this. Our human conduct means nothing to God in this context. We are saved through repentance. This is left out of sermons all over the world and failed to be preached on many times and have seemingly forgotten in our day and age that you must come to God and repent for your sins in order to be saved. And as important as that is, that has no value in God's goodness. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't repent. I'm not saying we throw that out. In fact, the opposite. I think when we understand just how good God is, just how perfect he is, just how powerful and omnipresent and omniscious and all these things we've talked about for weeks, when we really stop and sit back and think about these things, we will fall on our face before a God who is all powerful, all knowing, all good, self-existence, on and on and on. And we will say, God, you are so good. I deserve none of this. Forgive me a horrible rotten sinner but it is not in my merit it is not in my prayer of repentance that God is good to me he is good to me and forgives me because he is good and so while repentance is absolutely necessary for salvation it's a part of God's goodness that he grants forgiveness to me what about prayer well we pray we pray often Generally, we pray for things that we need or things that we think we need. Does he have to give us those things? No. Can I pray so much that God will give me whatever I want? Now, see, this gets really sticky. This gets hard to thread the needle. And I'm not trying to take back what I'm saying. I'm not trying to parse my words too quickly here. Because there is 
ample evidence that God tells us to pray, to pray at all times, to pray repeatedly, and to pray in faith. But what I am trying to get across to you is that when God grants our prayers, when He gives us the things that we ask for, or even more than we can possibly ask for, it's not because the number of hours I spent praying on my knees, it is simply because He is good. What about faith? Do I have so much faith that God's going to give me and be good to me? No. Faith is simply confidence in what we already know. God's good. See that circle? Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. And the reality is we don't deserve anything. Yet he chooses to be good to us. Why? Because he is good. Is good. Fully good. All times and all ways. He is good. And so as we go into this week, this week where we set aside a day to be thankful for what God has given to us, let us truly be thankful that he is good to us. That he cares about us. That he loves us. That he redeemed us. That he is good. Let us take a look at how good God is this week. Now, just how good is he? Well, just in case we weren't sure, he sent an example for us. So if you want to know how good God is, and I mean this very sincerely, then pick a gospel. John or Luke would be a good place. Matthew and Mark work as well. Read about Jesus because in him you will see God. You will see just how good Jesus was to the people that he interacted with and get some idea of just how good God is to us. And I am thankful that Christ came not only to redeem us, to be a sacrifice for us, but to be an example to us. Because I don't have to just make up how good God is, because I can go to scriptures and I can read it. I can see the time that he allowed the woman who was a prostitute, who had a horrible reputation to come into a place she wasn't supposed to and cry all over his feet. And he said, what? Let her do it. Because he's good. I can see the time that he went on his way to go help Lazarus, who was sick. But because he was good, he stopped and did what? Healed other people on the way. And when he reached the tomb, finally, he cried and raised Lazarus to life. Why? Because he is good. I can see the patience, the hours upon hours that he must have been ministering unto the crowds who came all around him. Why? Because he is good. You ever think about that? If this man, and he could, could and did heal people, do you think at like, you know, 8 p.m., everybody was like, well, time to go? No. That's what people were breaking open roofs to get to the man. And he did what? Did he send them away? Was he cross? Was he upset at them? Never, ever once. He was always and always good because he is God. 
And when we need encouragement, we can read the scriptures and see just how good he actually is and how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, and how much he sent an example and set an example of how we should be toward others and how we should think about God. You know, the disciples, and we're talking about this, they didn't really get it either. So (laughs) you can look in the scriptures, and sometimes Jesus will say something that's rather sharp, but it was still good. And sometimes you can see that Jesus, while maybe a little bit disappointed that the disciples didn't quite get what he was saying, and he'd say things like, how long do I have to put up with you? How many times do I have to tell you? That wasn't Jesus not being good. That was his goodness that one more time he's going to say it again. And so if Jesus, in his goodness, understands that the men who walked and lived, and ate, and did everything with him for three years, still didn't understand what the kingdom was going to be like. And they come to him and say, I want to be second important, and I want to sit on this side, and I want to do this. And he shakes his head in love and goodness and says, it isn't going to be that way. Then let me ask you this. Do you think he'd be any less good to you when you're not sure? See, I don't think he will be. Now, we can be arrogant and we can be puffed up. But when we are sincerely wanting to know what we should do, when we are sincerely trying to love him, he's always going to be good to us and give us exactly what we need, the encouragement that we need. And so if you are a sinner who's never been saved, then you can look at the scripture and read it and try to understand who Jesus is. And if you look for how good he is, You will experience it in your own life. And if you are downcast and carrying a burden and struggling today and needing something, needing him to help you, then you can look through the scriptures and you can see the very God who loves us and just how good he is. And we can go to him. So God is Good. Not just part of him is good. All of him is good. And how often is he good? All the time. So let's see how many of you remember. When I say God is good, you say. All the time. And then I say all the time. And then you say. All right, I've been a member now. So we talk about how, God, how good he is. I say, God is good. All the time. How much time? All the time. How much? All good. Forever. Never ending. Because that is what God is. I meant that to be the transition to the next, but let me just pause there for a second. I don't want to be incredibly critical of other people. But I wonder sometimes if this is why so many people who don't believe in God are just so sad. 
You ever known somebody like that? Some people who are atheists are just downright bitter about everything. Hateful, resentful, not pleasant people. Others just don't have quite the same happiness. At the same token, we as Christians of all people should know and live into what? That God is good and should thank Him for it and should be willing to express how good He is to everybody we see. So we talk about how good God is. The question is, do you really live into it? Because you can search your entire life and apart from God, who is what is good, you will not find good. You might find momentary happiness. You might find some worldly meaning and purpose in life, but you will never truly find what is good because God is good. Do you see the distinction? And this is why people who do not know God don't really know what it means to be good. I'm not saying they can't be nice. I'm not saying they can't be helpful. But there's a difference. And if we want to be good, and if we want to know what it means to be good, and we want to know goodness, then you must know God. So the second thing I want to talk about this morning, another attribute, if you will, of God, is His faithfulness. God is faithful. And by that we mean He is reliable, He is steadfast, he's unwavering, he's loyal, he's firm, and he adheres to truth. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful. He doesn't change. He is never going to change because he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever. Because he is without end and because he is without beginning, it means that he is the same and faithful at all times in all ways. So Psalms 89 and 9 says, O Lord God of hosts, who is as mighty as you all? O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. And here again, we see the psalmist asking a question which cannot be answered. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. And the answer is, no one is as faithful as God because He is faithfulness. You know, I've read a lot of Psalms the last few weeks, haven't I? These are men who have clearly been inspired inspired word of God. God told them to write this. But these appear to be men who spent time thinking about who God is. And in awe of God, wrote down their thoughts, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I think we would be well advised to do the same. To spend time thinking, who is as mighty as you are? Whose faithfulness is all around you. And because God is unchanging, He can never be more faithful or less faithful than He is right now. Do we see how important these concepts are that we understand? 
That because we understand that God doesn't change, there is never a point in your life that He will be more or less faithful to you. He simply is faithful. Now notice what I didn't say. What I didn't say is there's never a time in your life when you will feel like God is less faithful to you or more faithful to you. There is a huge difference because the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it and who can trust it. And when it comes to my feelings about God, I cannot trust them entirely. Sometimes I have to rely on the fact that I know the scripture says that God reveals that he is faithful to me and that he is good. And even when I don't feel like something's going good, when I don't feel as though there's things as faithful as I want them to be, usually because I don't like the way things are going, it doesn't change the fact of who God is. He cannot be more or less. He cannot Break a promise. Whatever he says either already has been done or will be done. And I don't even understand how that works sometimes. 1 Kings 8.56 says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, not one word has failed of all his good promises, which he spoke by Moses his servant. We could spend a lot of time talking about what's going to happen at the end of time. The reality, God's going to make it work because he said it would. And it's going to happen the way that God said it's going to happen, even if I don't understand what he said is going to happen. You know what I do know? He wins. We can talk about the path to get there. We can talk about all these things. But the reality is God is faithful. Why? Because he said he's going to do something and that will not change. And so if he says, dear brother or sister in Christ, that those who put their faith in him, who have been forgiven, will reign one day with him in heaven forever, then I know it's true because he is faithful and just to fulfill everything he's ever said. And so when we read the scriptures, we can be encouraged by the things that we see. And we can be thankful for the promises that he has fulfilled. His faithfulness, according to the scriptures, protects us from evil. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. What does that mean? Does it mean that someone who's evil, someone who hates God, is never going to be able to physically harm me? No. And that's not a cop-out. I know that what this means is that once God has saved me, once I have put my faith in him, that nothing upon nothing can undo that or take that away. No matter who comes along or what they do, when I have been sealed by Christ, his faithfulness, his goodness is that my sins have been covered, I have been forgiven, and I belong to Him, and nothing will take that away. 
And so if you can stand today and say, I know my Redeemer lives, if you can stand today and say, I know I have a testimony, then you can stand today and say, I know that no matter what's going on, whether it be really bad or really good, I am know that God is faithful and will do what He said. That's encouraging, church. That's something that we should be thankful for today. And somebody might want to go check that. His faithfulness also limits our temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You ever feel like you're in a situation you can't get out of? Well, in some way, that might be true at least in a way that's pleasant to you. (laughs) I mentioned last week, I think it was last week, that it's no more difficult for God to speak the world into existence than it is to help you get a good grade in the test. And I use something that's really incredible to think about and something that's kind of trivial and silly to think about in some regards. But here's the reality. These temptations, these trials, these tests that we go through, we don't always get what we want out of them. If I didn't truly put forth the energy to study for an exam, God could and God may miraculously help me know something I didn't know or help me remember something that I'd long forgotten. But whether he does that or not doesn't change his faithfulness to me. In other words, whether or not my prayers are answered the way that I think they ought to be doesn't change his faithfulness or goodness to me. We get that backwards all the time. And I hear this all the time. Well, I hear it frequently. And if you ask, you will hear it frequently too. You will go and find people who say, well, you know, When I was younger, God let this happen, and I just kind of lost faith. I prayed for this, and it, it didn't happen. And I'm not even talking about things that are trivial. If you get down with someone else and truly ask them questions, I'm not just saying that somebody goes, well, I wanted this kind of truck, and I didn't get it, so I don't believe in God anymore. I'm talking about people who will come to you and say, I prayed for God to relieve me as a child from an abusive situation that never happened that I can't believe in God anymore. That's hard. But God is still faithful. And God is still good. And because you don't like the situation, even if the situation is wrong, It doesn't change God's faithfulness, and it doesn't change God's goodness. What it does is point us back to Him, the only one who's faithful and the only one who's good. His faithfulness is what forgives our sins. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful to us. 
He has told us how we are to be forgiven of sins. And he lays it out in scriptures. We must confess our sins. And when we do, he will forgive us because he is faithful and just to forgive us. His faithfulness is also what sanctifies us and makes us pure and separate from the world. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Brothers, if you know him, he has begun a good work in you. And he will bring it to completion. Because he is faithful to us. So what do we say to all this? What do we say to God's faithfulness? <clears throat> well, let me quote Romans 8.21. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me edit that ever so slightly. What shall we say to these things? If God is faithful, who can be against us? Because for God to be for us implies that he is faithful to us and that he is good to us. And if we are on God's side, notice I was very careful how I said that. I didn't say if God is on our side, because God's never on our side. It is our job to be on God's side. If we are following after him and doing what he wants us to do, he is faithful to us. He is good to us. Who can possibly be against us if God is faithful to us? The answer is no one. Because there is no one who is greater. There is no one who is without beginning or without end. There is no one who knows all things, who is in all places, who has all power. Now let me just pause here at it and add this, just in case you're thinking this. Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call, is a created being, thing. Which means that Satan is not all-powerful. He is not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He doesn't know what you're thinking. He's not in all places, and he has no more power than what God has allowed him to have. Does that mean we should just never consider that there are things that are fighting against us? No. But brothers and sisters, let us not attribute to the powers of the enemy the same powers that God has in who he is. See, God is good. Satan is not. God is faithful. Satan is not. God is all-powerful. Satan has limits. Why? Because he was created by something that is all-powerful. Satan is not in all places at all times, and he does not know what you are thinking. So, how do we get tempted by Satan so often? Because Satan... And those who work with him, watch us. So by our outward actions, oftentimes it's obvious what we'll be tempted by. But we never have to think that he knows what we're thinking. And we never have to be afraid of him. Why? Because God is for us and there is nothing that can be against us.
Every single page of the scripture overflows with the idea that God is faithful to us. As I've said repeatedly, all the accounts of all these men and women in the scriptures who did amazing and wonderful things and even not so great and wonderful things, it's not an account of their faithfulness to God. It is an account of God's faithfulness faithfulness to us. Over and over again, he chose, because he is good, because he loves us, to work through us and in us and take us back time after time after time that we mess up. And so when we teach Sunday school lessons to our small children, and when we discuss them as adults, let us not put David or anyone else on a pillar higher than what they should be, because it is an account of God's faithfulness and goodness to us. Well, yes, many who are listed here in these scriptures are people that we should strive to be. In fact, Paul even says, follow me as I follow Christ. Understand that even the great apostle Paul, it was an account of God's faithfulness to him. You think God could have used someone else to write most of the New Testament? Sure. But God was faithful and chose Paul. You think Paul woke up every day ready to go out and eager to preach the gospel? I'd say he's just like us. But God was faithful. Every single part of the Bible tells us that God is faithful. And therefore, we should be thankful. Upon God's faithfulness rests all of our hope. Only He is faithful, and He is faithful until the end. In fact, I mentioned the end, near the end of the Scriptures, and what I believe will be near the end of time. We see Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Revelation 19 and verse 11. And it says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. You'll notice, I'm sure your version the same as mine, Faithfulness and True are capitalized. Why? Because they are what God is And it is a reference to whom? To God who is faithful and who is truth. And so we see near the beginning, near the end of time, after everything has been accomplished, at just the right time, the one who I believe will be represented by Jesus Christ will come on a white horse. And what is he called? He is called faithful and true. Faithful to what? To come get all of us who may be left here until such time to come give vengeance on those whom he must give vengeance on. And I know I just got done saying that God is good and God is faithful. And you say, well, how could he be vengeful? We'll come back next week. (laughs) But listen, we serve the one who has all power, who is faithful to us until the very end of time. And when does time end? I don't know. But at some point it will because it's what God created. And we'll be with him in eternity. Are you ready? Are you ready for the white horse to come with God who is faithful and just? Who will either reward or punish? 
Because the reality is, whether you're ready or not, doesn't change a thing. We have one opportunity, one life to live, and we have no idea how long that will last before our Lord and Savior comes. The one who is faithful, the one who is good, the one who is just, the one who is all-powerful, and will wield righteousness to those who deserve it. Why? Only because of him, because of his goodness. And he will judge and make war on those who are his enemies. And you, those who are unsaved, are naturally his enemy, whether you like to think it or not. The Bible says it very clearly. If you don't know God or are known by God, then you are his enemy. You are working against the all-powerful, all-good, faithful God. But he doesn't want it to be that way. How do we know? Because he's good. Because he wants us to know him. And we know that because he doesn't need us. We said this a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter how many of us praise God's name or how loud we do it. It doesn't change his valuation. We can't build him up or take him down. Now, we should praise him, but that's a different matter. But he doesn't become more of a God the more that we praise him. One person could believe, and he still is powerful. All of us could believe, and he'd still be as powerful. Why? Because he doesn't draw his power from us. God is faithful. And because of his faithfulness, we can have assurance and live in peace. We mentioned before we began where we were a year ago. We've come through some interesting times, and there will be interesting times to come. And if we could go back to this spot a hundred years ago, and slightly over there, imagine what stories they would tell us. Roaring 20s are about to be interrupted. World wars. Literal hunger. Hmm. But you know what they knew? Same thing the Bible tells me. God is good and he is faithful. And so what should our response be? To be thankful. So as we prepare here in a few minutes to have a Thanksgiving meal, and after this, as we go our separate ways later this afternoon and go to our own homes and prepare for later in the week to probably have another one and maybe two or three more, (laughs) let us truly be thankful. Thankful for what God is. Thankful because we have now, hopefully, a better understanding of who God is that he is eternal, that he is infinite, that he is self-existent, that he is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, that he simply says, I am. May we be thankful, despite our circumstances. And let's be honest, this year, they're really good circumstances. I mean, we might have some concerns, and I share those concerns, but let's be honest, we're doing okay. Let's be Thankful for his faithfulness and his goodness that has been granted to us.